Amen. She's home. She got to go home yesterday. Praise God. And so I told them I was going to give them a special hello. They haven't got to watch together for quite a while because in the rehab she was in, he had to leave at 3, a, 3 a p.m. And so they were separate and, to, and, and not together. So they're happy. So hello to mom and dad. And uh, hello to all those that are watching online. And uh, let's, let's uh, just tell them we love them if, through it with a clap. Mom and dad this morning, tonight, so they can hear you. Amen. Amen. And all the others that are watching that can't get here, Sue and Ed and Joyce and Ann and anybody else that's watching. And I just want to give a report real quick that God really, really moved this last weekend. I know here as well, I heard great things, great message from Pastor Mario and they said it was on fire, amen, and God moved in Denver, and God is doing an awesome work in Denver, Colorado with Pastor Marshall and Sharice, and uh, they, they are really seeing revival like we are here, and uh, we had packed out services, every service, lots of people saved, uh, healed, delivered, uh, and also one thing that really excites me is I've been challenging him for a couple years to, to try to go to two services like we have. And he's, he's been a little cautious, a little afraid, and they did it at Easter this year, and it went really well. And so we talked after, and I said, you going to keep it going? And he said, no, I just don't think we're ready yet. And so he had planned for the revival to have two services Sunday morning, and so they had two. And I, Saturday night, we were eating dinner after service, and I said, I'm going to pray tonight. And when you get up tomorrow, you're going to say, we're just going to keep on doing 9-11 services. And sure enough... Both services had a bunch of people in them, and he said, we're going to keep it going. So they're going to keep doing 9-11 services in Denver. Amen? It's been so, so good for us here. So keep praying for them. God's doing an awesome work. I want to get right into the Word. Second part tonight of the series about making disciples. This is where it's at, church. This is where the rubber meets the road with their walk with God. Amen. Irene, it's good to see you. I didn't see you over there. God bless give Irene a big hand. Amen for being here tonight. <laughs> Praise God. It's better than being in the hospital, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to talk tonight about making disciples and am I a disciple? And we're going to go over some things in this. And I, want, I just want to say this right off the bat. This has kind of been in my spirit today. Um, let's read this real quick. John 13, and then I'll say it. Chapter 34 and 35, a couple of key verses that we're going to have every week on Wednesday night for the next couple weeks as the Lord leads that are fundamental to what is discipleship. It says a new commandment, Jesus' words, a new commandment I give to you. And how many know it's not really a new commandment? It's the same commandment from the Old Testament. It just ties all ten commandments into these right here. He, he, he says if you'll fulfill this, you'll fulfill the ten commandments. So a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you would love one another. And look at verse 35. By this, how will people know that we're disciples? By this, we will all know, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Amen? And so this is a key verse because how many know it's not easy to love? It's not easy to love. Amen? And the fact that no one amen, it tells me that's some, the truth. It's not easy to love. And, but we need to remember that our example is Jesus. And Jesus loved when it wasn't easy to love. Jesus went all the way to the cross, all the way to death. He finished the race. He finished what he came to do, but he did it by love. The Bible says because of his love, we're compelled to love him. And also says that while we were sinners, he loved us. 
And so when you think about this, I want to I I hit this part really hard here. A lot of churches, and this is something that goes on, it's always been around, but a lot, a lot that's going on today, you'll hear people say, you've heard me say, there's a, a, a gospel being preached that's called Greasy Grace. And what that means is, is that everybody wants to talk about the grace of God in the sense of, of uh, you know, we're just saved by grace. We know that. That's obvious. We're saved by grace. And they just, everything is grace. So if I make a mistake, it's grace. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, it's grace. If I'm lazy, I, it's grace. If I don't, it, how many get what I'm saying? We just, we just call it, we just smother grace over everything. But what I want to show you in these series, these Wednesday nights, is that Jesus does expect something from us. For some reason, with this grace mentality, we just think it's done, and Jesus did it all, and we don't have to do anything. But I'm going to show you in the Scriptures that He expects something from us. Now, make, I'm making this clear. There's nothing we can do or should do or are even able to do to be saved. In the sense of believing who Jesus Christ is, in the sense of He is not forgiving us of our sins because we do ABC. The Bible says, by grace we're saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. But because the Bible says that, a lot of times people don't ever become disciples because they don't understand, yes, we're saved by grace, but Jesus has a whole list of things he wants us to do to to live like he lived. Are you following me on that? And so we can't get away with just covering it by grace. Well, by grace I was late. By grace I didn't pray. By grace I'm, I'm tired. By grace I didn't tithe. By grace I didn't, I didn't forgive somebody. Are you with me? We just smother grace on everything. And, and Jesus, as we look into his words here, you're going to see that he actually expects a lot. And we just saw it in this very first verse. He says, all these commandments, I tell you, that if you will love one another as I have loved you, people will know that you're my disciples. Now, here's another part, Matthew 22, 35, verse 40. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And here's the most important commandment, tied together with the other one we just read. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, how many know that right there is expecting a lot? That's a big expectation. He says, the greatest command is that you love me with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Meaning nothing else is more important than me. Meaning I'm number one. That's a big expectation. And so he says, this is the greatest commandment. And he says, a second is equally important. That's what we just read in John 13. That you love your neighbor as yourself. That you treat others the way you want to be treated. The golden rule. If I'm going to talk to somebody, I'm going to talk to them the way I would want them to talk to me. If I treat someone a certain way, I'm going to treat them the way I would want them to treat me. And he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these Two commandments. How many know a commandment and a command is not a question? Jesus said, and this is, the, this is where we're, we're, the rubber's meeting the road in discipleship. We're talking about how God expects us to pick up our cross. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, just plead, just plead grace every day. Isn't that what it says? What does he say? If you want to follow me, 
Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. There's a big difference between that. How many know his grace will help us take up our cross? But his grace is not an excuse to not do what he asks us to do. And so we see today, and you, you need to find out who you are tonight in this place, in the mirror. We see today lots of people who call themselves Christians, but don't have fruit in their lives. There's no fruit. The Bible says we will be known as his disciples by our fruit. So a tree has to have some plants on it and some fruit on it and some leaves on it, or it's what? Dead. And so someone should be able to look at your life and see fruit in your life, and that will be proof that you are a disciple of Christ. So we see a lot of people who, and I'm not talking about someone who just gave their life to the Lord last week. They're a baby. We're going to get into that a little bit. They're a baby. But once you got saved, every day that goes on, you are supposed to be more and more like Christ and less and less like the world. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an attraction to, the, to Jesus and a distraction or subtraction away from the world. We don't want both anymore. And the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we want to be like him, and he expects that of us. And so he says, commandments. And so commandments are orders. So how many know tonight and understand that if you're a disciple of Christ, you are under orders? Am I speaking to anybody here tonight? We're under orders. So basically, we're enlisted now in the army of God, and God says, I have things I need you to do, and we need to do this. Yes, sir. I'm about it, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, Lord. And, and that's where God is calling Christians to be, to a place of, yes, Lord. Yes, Master. I'm no longer my own. I don't make decisions based on what I want anymore. I'm, I make decisions based on what you want now. Because I'm a child of the, of the King. I'm, I'm bought with a price. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ, no longer a slave to sin. Amen? And then he goes on to say this. We read this last week. This is important too. John 14, 15. If you love me, I mean, know that if means, let me see what, what you do back. Lots of people tell Jesus they love him. Judas told Jesus he loved him. But Judas betrayed him. He says, if you love me, what do I do? How do I show him that's not lip service? How do I make sure Jesus knows? How do I prove that I'm truly a disciple? I don't just say I love Jesus, but I keep his suggestions. He says, if you love me, Keep my suggestions, because they're just suggestions. It's just if you feel like it, and if everything goes well, and you're not too tired, or if you don't have you know, too much things to do, it's not a suggestion. He says, keep my, what? Commandments. How many are with me? So as you begin to think about this more, being a disciple is about obeying his commands. Being a disciple is about being about his business, being a disciple is about works. Not to be saved, but to be a disciple. So we're saved by grace. We get on the team by grace. We don't come in because of law, because of degrees or, or intelligence or talents. Or he doesn't accept us because of, he accepts anybody who wants to come. But once we get on the team. He says, now I need you to play. I need you to come to practice. I need you to be involved. I need you to do your part. I need you to pull your weight. I need you to obey what I ask you to do. I need you to do the commandments that I've said you to do.
Okay? How many are with me? So now we're going to begin to, for the next couple weeks, get into some of the, listen to this, some of the 40 commandments that Jesus gave us. 40. Some could, it could be 50. 40 to 50. And the reason I say this is sometimes a couple could run together, be worded differently. But how many know if you begin to read Jesus' words to us and we see 40 to 50 commands, that's a lot of work. It's quiet in here. Amen? Am I preaching the Bible? I'm not making this up. He says, you're on the team by grace, but now if you love me, keep my commands. So now we're going to start to see through the word here, not my words, his word, some of the things that he expects of us. And there's not necessarily any order except for this one because this is kind of like if you don't have this one, you get the cart before the horse. So number one, the number one commandment that Jesus gives us, and it kind of ties in together at the same time of being saved, like you can't do this, with, can't be a disciple without doing this. But he says you must, to be a disciple, you must be born again. Okay? You must be born again. Now, some people might say, that I'm already a Christian, or they'll claim to be a disciple, but how many know there are some people, it's possible, that they claim to be a Christian, but they haven't even been born again. I'm talking about really being born again. I mean really something happening in their lives, not just a head knowledge, not just a prayer, but a true belief. And so John chapter 3, let's look what this says. And as we're reading all these words, I want you to understand that we are reading the words of Jesus Christ and he is telling us how we're supposed to live. And so if I'm a disciple, just to say this real quick, remember, a disciple is a learner. A disciplined person in instruction. And somebody who is under orders. And so now we're saying, Jesus, if I'm going to be a disciple, that means I'm a learner of Jesus Christ. And so if he's teaching things, I'm picking them up. I'm learning them not going to get all these at one time but you're going to start to see what god expects of you it says in john chapter 3 verse 1 this is the most important part because we have to be saved he says there was a man named nicodemus a jewish religious leader who was a pharisee and after one dark evening he came to jesus to speak with jesus and said rabbi we all know that god has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that god is with you and Jesus replied I tell you the truth unless you are what born again you cannot see the kingdom of God have you ever had somebody ask you or have you ever heard somebody say I am a born again Christian you know what they're saying they understand the scriptures they're born again they understand that what we're about to read here it says what do you mean exclaimed Nicodemus how can an old man, so he takes this literally and physically, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? But how many know he wasn't talking about a physical birth? And how many know that when we get saved, we are delivered from the spiritual death? We have, to have, a, we have a physical birth that is going to bring us physical death. And so we, to be able to get out of spiritual death, we have to have a spiritual birth. That makes sense? 
So he says, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? And Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God God without being born of water. That's the physical birth. And of the spirit. That's the spiritual birth. Humans can only reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Amen. That's powerful right there. We, We can only produce people. But we can't produce spiritual life. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit's the only one. So he says, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says, how are these things possible? And Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. And how many know there's a lot of people today who don't understand the things of God? Amen? And so he is saying here, the very first thing you have to do to be a disciple is you have to be born again. You have to come into a spiritual life. And what does that basically mean? It means you believe that Jesus died on that cross... And he rose from the dead, and he's coming back again. And in that belief, you become a new creation, and you are born again. And like I said before, your physical death is going to have a, a physical, sorry, physical birth is going to have a physical death. But now because you had a spiritual life, you're going to be able to defeat the spiritual death. Am I making sense on that? So again, everyone's born physically. Who's going to heaven? Those who are reborn spiritually. Because the Bible tells us, and you see it all the way into the book of Revelation, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life and you're not born again, then you will have a second death. means you'll die twice. You're born once, you die twice. Is the math making sense yet? If you're born twice, you die once. Got it? So if I'm not born again, then I'm going to die twice. I'm going to die physically. Then I'm going to be resurrected from the dead on judgment day. And I'm going to face death the second time. And the spiritual death is the worst death. Physical death has no power over the spiritual death. But because Jesus came and died on the cross and became death for us, now I don't have to face the second death. I just have to face a physical death, but I don't have to face a spiritual death because Jesus already faced the spiritual death for me. So I am born again now, and because I've been born now of the Spirit, I won't have to face spiritual death. So the first part of being a disciple is understanding that. Now let's start to look at some of these other things he asks us to do. And again, there's no necessary order, although this second one probably could be right there Right after born again, of importance, number two, if you're writing these down, is you must forgive. To be a disciple of Christ, you must forgive. Everything I'm reading you is Jesus' words. I'm not making this up for me. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, this is a difficult thing that Jesus asks us to do, but it's not a question, it is a command. He says, whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone and you feel like it, forgive that person. 
And if it's not too bad and not too horrible and it doesn't change your life too much, forgive him. It says forgive him. That's a command. Everything that I'm going to read you here is Jesus' commandments. Things he expects of us on a daily basis. That your Father in heaven... Now this is important to understand. If you don't want to be a disciple, you don't have to. You don't have to. That's why we always talk about we don't have to do things, we get to do things. Because when you do things because you want them, then you're on the right team. If you do things because you have to and you decide you don't want to, God says, God, that's fine. No problem. You don't have to forgive. You really don't have to. But if you want to go to heaven, then you need to do this. But if you don't want to go to heaven, you don't have to forgive. He says, because your Father in heaven will forgive your trespasses. Okay, if you forgive. But if you don't, you don't have to, I just won't forgive yours. That seems like kind of like work. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Are you seeing that Jesus actually expects some things of us? Some of you just liked it when you just, you just thought, I'm just saved. Amazing grace. Oh, how sweet that sounds. How sweet the sound. Right? Saved a wretch like me, but nobody else. Because I, I don't have to forgive anybody else like I was forgiven. Right? We start to see here that Jesus has got some high expectations. And maybe as we begin to get into this a little bit, we're going to start to see why some people don't make it. Why, as you start to look at this, that the road's kind of narrow and not wide. Amen? Number three, remain in him. He says, he says, I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay and abide in me. This is a commandment. John chapter 15. Verse 1. I am the grapevine. This is the New Living Translation. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. How many know to have fruit, you have to work? Okay? This, this is going to take us in a place of our church to a place of maturity in discipleship. And we're going to start to realize that we're not just going to get into heaven by the skinny of our pants. We're not just going to float in by the grace of God. We're, God's expecting some things of us. And the more you in the, are in the gospel, the more he expects of you. To whom much is given, much is required. Every single service you come to, you're more accountable because you're hearing the word of God. Now, that's not a bad thing. Don't let that scare you away. It's just the truth. The more you know, the more you're going to be held accountable for. Amen. And, and, and I'm, I'm talking about this because as the pastor, I'm extra accountable because I have to give it to you and make sure you're accountable to what you're accountable to. And, I, and I, when I said yes to the call of God, I had an, an, an extra responsibility. And so I got to bear fruit, and I got to make sure that you're bearing fruit because that's my call. And so he says, every branch of mine that doesn't, and as we're reading this, going through this series on Wednesday nights, I want you to really understand as you're hearing it that this is God speaking right to us. It's not the pastor bringing some message. It's the messenger bringing a word from God. And these are things God's expecting. And guess what? 
at any point, I just want to throw this disclaimer out, at any point in any time, as Jesus said to many people, you can turn around and leave. Woo, that's good preaching right there. Not because I'm saying it, because that's his word. We, you're going to start to realize that Jesus wants you on his team, but he wants you to do what he asks you to do. He's not, he's not just okay with us just pulling the grace card out all the time. He's expecting something of us. You with me? So I'm just seeing that he cuts off branches that don't produce fruit. So you have to produce fruit. And then he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So whether you're bearing fruit or not bearing fruit, he's on you. Amen? Either way, he's on you. But if you are bearing fruit, he's going to come prune you, which means he's going to come deal with you on the issues that you don't have in line and you are bearing fruit. But he's like, you can do, he's going to be the coach that's always going to tell you you can do better. He's never going to ex- ex- accept halfway with you. He's going to expect the best because he gave the best. Has anybody started to realize that, that walking in the kingdom of God is excellence? Excellence. That's why it's hard a lot of times for people to really get it because they, they, maybe some people come kind of from a mediocrity. Not, not on purpose, that's just the way you were raised. and You just kind of did things halfway. But once you start serving God, you start realizing we're serving an excellent God who expects the best because he gave the best. And some of the things that we try to get away with don't fly anymore because God is right there saying, I, I, I expect this from you. And so he says, also... And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will what? Produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. These kind of messages on Wednesday nights are going to prune you and grow you and build you. So then he says this command. Remain in me. New, new, King James, New King James says abide in me. He says, stick with me. Stay by me. And how many know you don't have to be too smart to take that command? That's a pretty smart one. Let's stay by Jesus. Remain in me. But what is he saying when he says remain in me? He's he's saying remain in my word. Remain in my commands. Remain in what I'm asking you to do. And he says, if you do that, I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. How many people do we know today who are trying to serve God without abiding in Jesus? They want to go to heaven, but they don't want to pay a price. Because we don't have to pay a price because we're saved by grace. That's the mentality that everybody has. Jesus already did that. Jesus don't need me to do anything. Then why is the Bible even written then? Are these just wasted words? Was Jesus just like filling time? There's a balance in the word, church. And you need to make sure that you don't get off into left or right field. You need to be down the center on every area of your life. Amen? See, so remain in me and I'll remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful Unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And here's what we got to get from apart from me. You can do nothing. Does anybody realize that? 
How many people here have tried without God? No fun. No fun. Amen? So how many see there in that word is there? He's not, he's not making a suggestion. He's saying, you want to make it to heaven? You got to go my way. You got to abide in me. You got to do what I say. Number four. Here's another commandment. Let your light shine before men. Matthew chapter 5. Let your light shine before men. Every single one of these that we're reading, we got to go back later, maybe not now at this moment, and, and maybe at the moment you're, you're receiving some, some direction from the Holy Spirit too at the very moment, but we need to go back at these things constantly and consistently and look at them and check ourselves. Am I in the faith? Am I letting my light shine? Watch what this is. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Remember, he chose us to share the gospel with the world. He's gone. We're here. He's coming again, but until he comes again, we're his voice. Look at the person next to you and say, you're the light. Now tell them this, whether you want to be or not. God didn't ask us. He doesn't have like lift different groups like, hey, if you want to be the light, come over here. If you want to be kind of not so much in the light, just want to be a Christian, hang out, come over here. He doesn't do that. He says, you are. Matter of fact, what's cool is he speaks prophetically over us and says, you're light. And some of us are like, what? What? How? Because he said you were. Jesus says it, I believe it. He says, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one, and here's what he tells us, here, here's what he tells us not to do that we do. Here, here's one, and I, actually I wouldn't say one. So far I think we're 0 for 3. Actually we're 1 for 4. Because we got the born again part right. We have, we're saved. But how many know we all struggle on all of these? We all struggle. In every one of these, they're hard. And he says, and let me just throw this out before I read this next this verse. If you don't believe everything I'm saying, write down John chapter 6. Just write that down. If you just want to like, yeah, is this all this true? Just write down John chapter 6. Go read John chapter 6. It'll take you a while. It's a really long chapter. It's a lot of verses. And Jesus is preaching. I'm going to mention a few of these things tonight, maybe in this message and during the series. But near, near the end, I just want to give you a disclaimer again. Because I, I don't want to waste anybody's time here. I, I've already signed up for this. I'm in. I don't know if you're in or not. I'm in. I'm not go, I don't have nothing to go back to. I don't have a plan B. I've already burned all my bridges. That's, that, I might preach that Sunday. It's been a while since I preached that. You've got to burn the bridges behind you. You have nothing to go back to. How many in here would say with me, I don't have anything to go back to. I burned all my bridges. Now I ain't got no plan B, no plan C. It's all in. And so there's a disclaimer. If you can't, you can't handle this stuff, like I said, Jesus says it. And so he, in John 6, don't read it now, read it later. He gets to the end of all this stuff, and he looks at his, some of his disciples, and they were disciples at that moment. They walked away. Like, this is too hard. I, I can't do that. How many, first of all, how many know if God is going to ask us to do something, he won't ask us to do something we can't do? I'm very thankful for that. 
He's not going to ask us to do something we can't do. So if he's asking us to do something, we can do it. And especially because he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay? So he goes to the end of that John chapter 6, and some of them walk away. And he looks straight to his disciples that he called individually in their eyes. And he says, you want to leave too? He basically says, there's the door. There's a door over there, and there's a door over there. Go ahead. There's the door. You don't want to walk my way? It's fine. You don't have to. And, and, and Peter says, I want you to keep this in your mind this whole time. Peter says, where will we go? Where will we go? He says, you have the words of life. He had had enough revelation, to, and that's where I'm at. I have enough revelation to know I ain't got nowhere to go. He has the words of life. And sometimes it might seem hard what he's expecting me to do, but I'm going to do it. Because he's king, and he's master, and he's Lord. Amen? Is he your king and your master and your Lord tonight? Amen? Do you want to be his disciple? Amen. So, so then he says, so keep that in your mind. All the time we're going through this, he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. But they do. And we do. That, that means that there's times that we're ashamed of Jesus. And we don't always have our Jesus face on. And we don't always have our boldness to preach Jesus. And we don't always have the love of Jesus on. And sometimes we, we put his light under a basket because we don't want anybody to see it. We put it in the pocket. Or, and there's that old song, like John mentioned, this, the old songs at, back in the back that they sing. Light, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Jesus says, why would you put it under a, a, a lamp under a basket? He says, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. In other words, do works. Are you too indoctrinated here tonight to think that you don't have to do works? I mu we must be because I'm not getting any amens. I haven't ever preached that. We got stuff to do. It's our everyday life. It's our walk. We're on the team by grace. But Jesus is expecting us to keep our light out every single day and not hide it. He's expecting us every single day to forgive people we don't want to forgive. He's expecting us every single day to remain in Him when the world's trying to pull us away. This is just four commands. And, and, and maybe in our flesh, some of us already want to walk away. Like, man, I didn't know I signed up for this. You know it's too bad? When someone comes to the altar and gets saved... We can't just throw all 40 of these at them at one time. Like, here's all this stuff Jesus is going to expect of you. Just stay or go. Amen? Just stay. Seriously, am I right? Sometimes you just wish because some of them are going to walk away from one or two things. I'm not even going to get to five. But God wants us to have a mentality of, where would I go? You have the words of life. And the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you're going to 
not only know you have to do these things, but watch this. Here's the disciple's heart. You're going to want to do them. You're going to want to do them. You're going to want to obey his commands. You're going to want to please him. You're going to want to let your light shine. You're going to ask God to help you. For, Lord, this is tough, but I'm going to forgive because you forgave. I'm going to love because you loved. I'm going to let my light shine because this is the light of the world. I'm going to stay in you because nobody else has given me a promise of eternal life. Amen. I just think that the more we get into discipleship, you're going to realize it's a lot of work. It's a lot of expectations that God has. But again, just in case anybody's trying to think that I'm changing doctrine or something, I'm not talking about getting saved. That's the error a lot of people think. They think that we're, because now that we're saved, we don't have to do no works because I'm saved by grace. And they don't do anything. It's not going to fly. Matter of fact, James says, faith without works is dead. You got to show God that you mean business. And he's going to expect things of you. And that's why he wrote these words. He wasn't just filling Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to make the books be a nice size. Amen. He wrote these things down because there are expectations for Christians. Just like in any job, church, do you have, have you ever worked a job where they said, hey, here's your contract, sign it, and every 15 days or every week we're going to pay you, but you don't have to come in if you don't want to. You don't have to show up if you don't want to. You don't have to work, but we're for sure going to give you your paycheck every two weeks. How would that work? Everybody in the world would want to work there. Sometimes we look at God that way. Like, oh, he already paid the price. I already signed my contract. Got my ticket to heaven. I don't got to do nothing. I'm home free. But when you begin to read the Bible, you start to see, boy, God's got some serious expectations for us. And as we begin to fulfill them, we become disciples. Amen. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Healing, powerful words of expectations that you have for your church and your people. Father, thank you that to be on your team, to be in the kingdom of God, to be saved, to be forgiven, all I had to do was believe. Because I could never be good enough. Listen to me closely as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Lots of people think they've got to do all these things we're talking about tonight to get saved to be forgiven that's where the grace comes in because we could never be good enough to be saved to deserve his salvation by grace we're saved not by works lest any man should boast but now that I am a believer in Jesus Christ and I am born again and I have defeated death through the power of Jesus Christ and now the second death has no power over me because I've been born again now Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. If you want to come and follow me, you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And that's a command, and that's work, and that's tough, but it's worth it. And Jesus is asking us to do things we can do through his strength. And like I said last week, on the very first week, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. 
It's not by our power. It's by His Spirit, says the Lord. All over this place and those watching online or listening on the podcast, how many all over this place could be honest with God and say, I have not been born again. If I were to die tonight, I would face the second death. I would die first physically and then I would have to die spiritually and I would be sent to hell, separated from God for eternity. But tonight I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ and I want to be born again so that when I die the first death, the second death will have no hold on me. How many tonight could say, Pastor, that's me. Just put your hand up. All across this place, front to back and side to side, those watching online, if you're watching, we're going to say a prayer in a moment. How many here? I didn't ask how many have a Bible in your hand or how many showed up to church. I said, have you been born again of spirit? Of spirit. You were born of water. That water broke in your mother's womb. You were born of water physically. But have you been born again spiritually? Only you know that. If you've never said the sinner's prayer, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, then you're going to face that second death. How many could say, pray for me tonight, Pastor? By God's grace, I'm going to accept him tonight, what he did. Just lift it up. Put it right back down. Maybe you need to be reconciled you're backslidden you're not abiding in him when i hear when you hear me say backslidden or running from god or not walking with god that's what he was saying he said abide in me stay by me don't be severed away from me by the world that's what it means maybe you're here and you need to come home you need to come back to your first love you need to come back to jesus in his position he's not going to leave you or forsake you but we leave and forsake him that's you just say that's me tonight put your hand up and put it back down I need you to pray for me all over this place let's stand to our feet tonight and we're going to say a prayer church because we never know who's watching online I have to believe every single one of you in this place tonight is born again and you have no fear of the second death some of you are afraid of the first death let alone the second death the first death is physical the second death is spiritual we don't have to be afraid of either one. Can you say amen? Because Jesus said, he who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. That's the words of Jesus. Let's all say a prayer tonight for anyone listening on the podcast or watching online. This is the sinner's prayer. Lord Jesus, we believe in you tonight. I know that I'm a sinner and I fall short of your grace. I know that you died on the cross for my sins because my sins equals death. That's the wages of my sin. But you have a gift tonight that's called eternal life. And because you died on the cross and defeated death when you rose from the grave, I can face that second death without fear because I'm being born again tonight spiritually I believe in my heart confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord Jesus would you forgive me and wash me clean of all of my sins and help me begin to walk in your ways according to your word 
tonight in Jesus' name. I forsake all things. I go all in to follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen.